Hello and welcome to In-Depth. I'm Tina Jha. At the Paris Climate Conference in December 2015, 195 countries adopted the first ever universal, legally binding global climate deal. The agreement set out a global action plan to put the world on track to avoid dangerous climate change by limiting global warming to well below 2 degrees Celsius and pursuing efforts to limit it to 1.5 degrees Celsius. However, despite the global efforts, the World Met Office has forecast that the temperatures for each of the next five years are likely to be 1 degree Celsius or more above pre-industrial levels. There is also a high probability that in the next five years, the world will witness the average global temperature rising to more than 1.5 degrees Celsius. And by the end of the century, the Hindu Kush Himalayas will warm by around 1.8 degrees Celsius. According to the Hindu Kush Himalaya Assessment Report, even the most ambitious goals set out by the Paris Agreement to limit global warming would lead to a 2.1 spike in temperature in the Hindu Kush region, leading to melting of one-third of the region's glaciers, potentially destabilizing Asia's rivers. Today's in-depth analyzes the changes affecting one of the greatest mountain systems in the world how increasing temperatures are impacting our environment and the steps being undertaken at the global level to prevent further damage to our planet. One third of Himalayan glaciers will melt by the end of the century due to climate change threatening water sources for 1.9 billion people, even if current efforts to reduce climate change succeed. An assessment titled The Hindu Kush Himalayas Assessment Mountains, Climate Change, Sustainability and People warns that the world's third pole that spans across eight countries in South Asia and is home to 10 major river basins is under severe threat of climate change. More details about the assessment in this report. The latest Hindu Kush Himalayan assessment report has made a dire forecast for the glaciers of the Himalayas. According to the report, glaciers in the Hindu Kush Himalayan region, which spans eight countries in South Asia from Afghanistan to Myanmar, are doomed to melt due to the climate change with serious consequences for almost two billion people. In fact, a third or more of these glaciers could be gone by 2100. And if greenhouse gas emissions continue at their current levels, the region could lose as much as two-thirds of its ice. The International Centre for Integrated Mountain Development, a Nepal-based intergovernmental organisation, pulled together the 210 scientists who authored the report in the hopes that better coordination between the scientists and the national governments can make the evidence more clear and lead to solutions. The report includes input from more than 350 researchers and policy makers from 22 countries. The plan from this report is basically that the, there is going to be a significant loss in Himalayan glaciers by the end of the century, which is 2100. Between, depending on how much of global warming we have, uh, we could lose between 30 to 90 percent of the glaciers or almost entirely all of the glacier volume in the Himalayas. That's not good news. Uh, the slightly better news is that this is dependent on what pathway we take. 
because they have done uh, an estimate for a range of different pathways, depend, which depends on the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Changes scenarios for how we continue to emit uh, carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases over the rest of the century. So one of these scenarios has us peaking our emissions by around 2040. One of those scenarios has us continuing to increase our emissions globally well beyond 2100, which is the end of the century. The Hindu Kush Himalayan region spans eight countries, including Afghanistan, Pakistan, India, Nepal, China, Bhutan, Bangladesh and Myanmar, and also has some of the world's tallest mountains, including Mount Everest and K2. The glaciers sit atop these mountains and the water that runs down from them feeds the agriculture that nearly 2 billion people depend upon. These glaciers feed into river system including the Indus, Ganga, Yangtze, Irrawaddy and Mekong. These water supplies are closely dependent on both rainfall during the monsoon season and trickling melt water from the glaciers, especially during the dry season. That means climate change has the potential to affect a huge population. Called the Third Pole, the Hindu Kush Himalayan region together with China's Tian Shan Mountains holds the most ice outside the North and South Poles. But so far the report claims less attention has been devoted to the region than to other areas considered more vulnerable to global warming. Under the more dire circumstances, the Himalayas could heat up by 8 degrees Fahrenheit or 4.4 degrees Celsius by the century's end, bringing radical disruptions to food and water supplies and mass population displacement. Going to be likely a threat to water and food security in that region as well as an increased risk of disasters. Now, what happens downstream in the mainland of India, in the mainland of uh, Pakistan, Bangladesh, uh, Bhutan, Nepal, even China, Myanmar, uh, Afghanistan is more uncertain. Now, this is how we interpret this uncertainty is very important because when people listen to the fact that scientists don't know what is going to happen, they tend to assume that we have nothing to worry about. The truth of civilization in the past so many millennia is that science has helped us to be relatively certain about <clears throat> when there will be water, when there won't be water, when there will be a risk of disease, when there won't be a risk of disease. The more we do not know, the more we should be very, very worried. And the fact that we do not know what the glaciers will do uh, to life downstream in the mainlands of our countries should be a great source of concern for all of us. Temperatures are rising faster in the mountains than at the lower elevations, a phenomena called elevation-dependent warming. Researchers are still trying to figure out exactly why this happens. One theory says, when snow and ice melt, the heat-reflecting properties of the white cover disappear. The black rock below absorbs more heat and increases the melt. This means that even if global warming is limited to 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit, the Hindu Kush Himalayan region will see a greater increase. The report stresses that even if carbon emissions are dramatically and rapidly cut and succeed in limiting global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius, 36% of the glaciers along in the Hindu Kush and Himalayan range will have gone by 2100. However, limiting the global temperature rise to 1.5 degrees Celsius above 
pre-industrial levels requires cutting emissions to zero by 2050. Since the 1970s, about 15% of the ice in the HKH region has disappeared as temperature has risen. But the HKH range is 3,500 kilometers long, and the impact of warming is variable. In general, shrinking mountain glaciers anywhere in the world tend to spark concerns about water availability for nearby human communities. If glaciers are shrinking faster than they can rebuild, the total amount of fresh water they can provide will eventually decline, and the rivers they supply may start to dwindle. In Hindu Kush Himalaya, some places are likely to be affected more than others. That's because its river basins are fed by both glacial meltwater and rainfall from monsoons, and in some places the monsoons are the more important source. The melting glaciers will increase river flows through to 2050 to 2060, pushing up the risk of high-altitude lakes bursting their banks and engulfing communities. But from 2060s, rivers' flows will go into decline. Lower flows will cut the power from the hydro dams that generate much of the region's electricity. But the most serious impact will be on farmers in the foothills and downstream. They rely on predictable water supplies to grow the crops that feed nations in the mountainous chateaus. Glacial melting will also likely cause global sea levels to rise, threatening already endangered species like the snow leopard and tiger, and dramatically change the roof of the world. Bureau report, Rajya Sabha TV. The year 2018 saw natural disasters across the world, but experts warn that this year it could be worse. As global temperatures rise, mega disasters could become regular, affecting millions of people across the world. The impact of humanity's race for development is being felt most by the climate of the world, and it might flatten the very efforts that humans have made towards bettering their lives over the years. Mega disasters, which we consider 5,000 dead or more, uh, there were none in 2018. There were none. There were no mega disasters. So um, that makes the year a low impact year. Now, I would like to hasten to point out that a low impact year doesn't really mean that the next year is going to be a low impact year. We think 2019. I'll go into a little bit on what we see in the crystal ball, what we see uh, forthcoming. Uh, 2019 may actually, for many reasons, which we we'll look at, uh, may actually be a much more catastrophic year than 2018 has been. A dire warning for the year ahead. The UN Office for Disaster Risk Reduction predicts more natural disasters in 2019 after a low impact 2018. Last year, 61.7 million people were affected by natural disasters, losing their jobs and possessions, being displaced and injured, while 10,373 people lost their lives, a majority of them due to earthquakes and tsunamis. That's a significant decrease from the average of 77,144 deaths recorded between 2000 and 2017. Scientists now warn that a bigger climate challenge faces us: wildfires, the phenomena that hit Europe and North America badly in 2018, claiming a record number of 247 lives compared to an average 
of 71 for the past 17 years. This has been a extremely worrisome phenomena in the last couple of years. The Attica fires in Greece, it killed 126 people, which for Europe, I mean, one has to look at it in, in relative terms, 126 people dead in an event in Europe, in Western Europe, in the European Union, is in fact a very, very large number of people. And then there is El Nino to contend with. The weather phenomenon is expected to intensify droughts in South America and Southern Africa in 2019. Rightly, experts are now calling for adaptation to climate change even as we try to mitigate the effects of climate change. Climate change adaptation has to stop being the poor cousin of mitigation because even if we work on mitigation, the climate change is is impacting on us on a daily basis, as you can see in these disasters. When we talk about climate change, it is difficult to ignore the impact of human development projects on it. Rapid urbanization and industrial development have suffocated water bodies everywhere. The ocean is running out of oxygen at a rapid speed, choking to death much of marine life. Scientists say the amount of water in the open ocean without oxygen has quadrupled in 50 years. They warn that these ocean dead zones will continue to increase unless we curb the factors driving global climate change. The increasing number of devastating hurricanes is also being attributed to climate change. Who is to blame for all this? In its race towards development and essentially creating luxuries to live off, the human race has mostly disregarded the need to safeguard nature. We cut trees to build our homes, create concrete jungles by cutting down forests, use water and other natural resources as if they come from never-ending sources and use fossil fuel that contributes to changes in the environment, many of which are now irreversible. While the question of intergenerational inequality has existed for centuries and has mostly been seen in a positive light, it has now come to mean something completely different. A few decades ago, inequality over subsequent generations referred to improvements in the quality of life as life expectancy improved and we made huge technological advances. But now, subsequent future generations from us will see the world differently than how we have known it. As global temperatures change and extreme weather conditions become frequent, what we are leaving for our young is the very deadly legacy of climate change and we are fast running out of time to change that. Bureau Report, Rajya Sabha TV. Even as the United States of America has pulled out of the Paris Climate Agreement and the developed countries put the onus of stalling climate change solely on the developing countries, India has been on the forefront of doing just that for the past few years. The current NDA government has adopted several commendable measures to control pollution. In this report, we take you through a list of initiatives brought in by the Narendra Modi-led NDA government to save the environment. Over the years, India has taken several measures to control pollution, maintain ecological balance despite rapid industrialization, increase the forest area in the country and keep rivers clean. 
However, after coming to power in 2014, Modi-led NDA government took several initiatives related to environment and climate change. Out of all the steps taken by the Narendra Modi government, a few stood out as being highly eco-friendly and compelling. One of the biggest initiative by the Modi government in environment protection was the formation of International Solar Alliance. ISA is an alliance of more than 121 countries, most of them being sunshine countries. The primary objective of the alliance is to work for efficient exploitation of solar energy to reduce dependence on fossil fuels. ISA is headquartered in India. The initiative was launched at the UN Climate Change Conference in Paris at the end of 2015 by the President of France and PM Modi. Regulation and very strict regulation to make sure that there is no excessive emission from tailpipes making mass transport available to people cleaning up the power plants reducing the use of coal reducing the use of diesel and petrol for transportation these are i think which need to be implemented very quickly there has been a very very big push on part of prime minister narendra modi himself for introducing solar power uh, that has helped but then we need a far bigger push only then diesel petrol and coal would become uh, negative sources and not positive sources right now the emissions which come out from these places are very high another major initiative was the national clean air program under which a long term and time bound national level strategy was built up to tackle the increasing air pollution problems across india in a comprehensive manner pm modi launched india's first national air quality index in april 2015 starting with 10 cities naqi was launched to monitor the quality of air in major urban centers across the country on a real time basis india's biggest ever cleanliness drive swachh bharat abhiyan or clean india mission is also a national campaign by the government to clean the streets the roads and the infrastructure of the country This campaign was officially launched in 2014 in New Delhi. The move to expand LPG connection among rural poor was significant and timely to cut down household air pollution and protect health particularly of women. Waste management emerged as a priority issue for this government which was reflected in notification of six waste management rules. The government's Namami Gange program for cleaning and rejuvenating Ganga is deemed as Narendra Modi's pet project. Namami Gange is 100% centrally funded. In order to reduce emissions and curb fuel imports, the government is buying 10,000 battery-powered cars from Tata Motors and Mahindra and Mahindra to replace petrol and diesel cars. Environment sector, like I mentioned, the NCAP is one program. The Ganga cleaning program is another big effort where the government made an effort but has not been able to make a big tent. In the same direction, trying to contain that forests are conserved and that people don't encroach in forest and forest don't get cut down is another initiative which the government has taken and by and large succeeded because the forest cover has not come down on the same lines you need a bigger effort for cleaner water cleaner air and one big initiative in environment with the government made was for reducing the use 
of single-use plastics. So no plastics was a very big initiative with the Environment Minister Dr. Harshwardhan made and he himself practices it, I have seen it. Uh, but for it to percolate down to people and plastics not be used in single-use form, I think would take a little time, but at least from the government, an effort was made that single-use plastics be banned. Besides this, India's states and union territories has made huge progress towards implementing the 2030 Sustainable Development Goal targets. The world is now into the third year of the Sustainable Development Goal era. The SDGs are ambitious global development goals that address key aspects of universal well-being across different socio-economic, cultural, geographical divisions and integrate the economic, social and environmental dimensions of development. India's national development agenda is mirrored in the SDGs. India's progress in SDG is crucial for the world as the country is home to about 17% of the world population. Bureau Report, Rajya Sabha TV. In the year 1975, an economist, Dr. William Nordhoff, saw the warming planet as a threat for the global economy. He said an increase in the global average temperature of 2 degrees Celsius caused by man-made carbon dioxide would change our climate in ways not seen in the last several hundred thousand years. Several years later, in 1992, the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change was established to stop dangerous human interference with climate. The two-degree limit was ratified by the United Nations in the Paris Agreement of 2016. But over the decades, the world has witnessed rapid changes resulting from global warming. In this report, let's analyze the impact of increasing temperatures on our environment. Our planet is experiencing increasing temperatures. According to a temperature analysis conducted by scientists at NASA's Goddard Institute of Space Studies, the average global temperature on Earth has increased by about 0.8 degrees Celsius or 1.4 degrees Fahrenheit since 1880, the earliest year for which reliable instrumental records are available worldwide. Two-thirds of the warming has occurred since 1975 at a rate of roughly 0.15 to 0.20 degrees Celsius per decade. Scientists believe the increased volumes of carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases released by the burning of fossil fuels, land clearing, agriculture and other human activities are the primary sources of the global warming that has occurred over the past 50 years. And by the year 2100, it is predicted that average global temperatures could increase between 1.4 and 5.8 degrees Celsius. The temperature rise may appear small in number, but it has brought about vast changes in the world's climate. Even the 1 degree global change is significant because it takes a vast amount of heat to warm all the oceans, atmosphere and land by that much. In the past, a 1 to 2 degree drop was all it took to plunge the Earth into the Little Ice Age. Global climate change has already brought about immediate observable effects on the planet. Glaciers have shrunk, ice is melting worldwide, especially at the North and South Poles. This includes mountain glaciers, ice sheets covering Antarctica and Greenland and the Arctic sea ice. For example, in Montana's Glacier National Park, the number of glaciers has declined to fewer than 30 from more than 150 in 1910. The melting ice contributes to rise in sea levels as well. 
Scientists say global sea levels are rising 0.13 inches or 3.2 millimeters every year. The rise has been rapid in recent years and has threatened low-lying islands and coastal cities. Rising temperatures are affecting wildlife and their habitats. Melting glaciers and vanishing ice has made survival of certain species difficult, pushing them towards extinction. The world is witnessing more frequent and extreme weather events like bushfires, cyclones, droughts and floods. Scientists say oceans have absorbed most of the extra heat and carbon dioxide more than the air, making the seas both warmer and more acidic. Warming waters are bleaching coral reefs and driving stronger storms. Rising ocean acidity threatens shellfish, including the tiny crustaceans without which marine food chains would collapse. Besides, climate change is a major threat to agriculture. Where, how and when we grow food is vitally connected to our climate's normal patterns. Farms are more likely to face attacks from weeds, diseases and pests which affect yield. Further, a warmer atmosphere increases the formation of ground-level ozone, also known as smog, in polluted regions. 2015 was the first year in which the global annual average surface temperature reached 1 degree Celsius above the pre-industrial level. Each year since then, the global average has hovered close to or above the 1 degree Celsius mark. The decade from 2014 to 2023 has been predicted to be the warmest in more than 150 years of record-keeping. Scientists see it as a critical threshold for climate change. The consequences will be more drastic and widespread if the world gets warmer by 2 degrees Celsius. Sea levels could rise between 10 and 32 inches or higher by the end of the century. Hurricanes and other storms are likely to become stronger. Floods and droughts will become more common. The world faces the risk of decades-long mega-droughts by 2100. Less fresh water will be available since glaciers store about three-quarters of the world's fresh water. Vector-borne diseases will spread to vast areas and there could be a resurgence of the Zika virus. Ecosystems will continue to change. Some species may venture farther north, while some others who are unable to adapt could become extinct. To prevent these effects, the United Nations signed the Paris Agreement in 2016, an international treaty designed to keep the average global temperature well below 2 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. Until greenhouse gas emissions are reduced, the world will continue to witness an upward trend in global average temperatures. Bureau Report, Rajya Sabha TV So that's it from us in today's edition of In-Depth. We'll be back same time tomorrow with a focus on some other subject. You can also watch our episodes online on YouTube and Twitter and get back to us with your feedback and suggestions. Thank you very much for your time.